0: Good morning. Good morning. Breakfast today is dedicated loving memory of Emil Stambuli Aleh Shalom Lilu Nishmat Elim Lilu Nishmat Emil Ben Rachel Allah Shalom sponsored by his son Joe Stambuli. Please make the Berachot and the Torah Shabi in uh, in memory and in his uh, in memory and in the so we have a brief that's starting just a few minutes. What a, a beautiful thing and a pleasure for us to have in our synagogue. But I'm just going to share with you one small idea that I think kind of ties in uh, both to the parashah and to our experience here as well. The Torah goes through an entire list of all of the various animals and birds that a person is allowed to, uh, to eat that are kosher in this week's parasha. And it gives you all the different names of the birds. The specific species, each one, it's described, and it's a, a big challenge as well for us to ascertain each one of these names what it is. But I would like to share one little beautiful idea of one of the birds that I spoke a little bit about last night in the class. There's one bird that's mentioned in the in the uh in the Pasuk, V'etaraa, V'eta'ayah. The Gemara says, Why is it? What's this bird? Ra'a, Aya, Daya. Which birds are these? The Gemara says, Actually, it's really one bird. Why is this one bird? Why is this bird? This same bird. How is that the case? Why are you calling it three different names? And the Gemara says, Because it's called Ra'a, this bird, is because it's capable of seeing from Bavel until Yerushalayim. It can see prey at that tremendous distance. It's called Ayah as well because the bird is never anywhere to be found when any of its friends or any of its uh, mates need help. It uh, figures out how to hide itself. So the hunter or the people involved, everyone is always saying about this bird, Ayah, where is it? Where is she? They can't find it. And finally, the last one, Dayah, the bird is called Dayah because in every situation, it always makes it as if it's too much. Now, we know that of all the mitzvot in the Torah, the mitzvah of kashrut is unique. And the reason why it's unique, as we've mentioned many times before, is because of all the mitzvot in the Torah, there's only one mitzvah, where the mitzvah itself becomes part and parcel of who the person is. You sat in a sukkah, you did a mitzvah, but if you ate non-kosher, the very thing itself that you ate—the shrimp, or the starfish—I don't know why you would eat that. The—it uh, oh, yeah, wasn't the one I meant, but uh, whichever one you know that you ate in a shellfish or whatever, or you ate non-kosher meat, or you ate meat and milk together—the thing itself now gets broken down and becomes the proteins, it becomes the blood, it becomes the veins, it becomes the tissue, the muscles of a person. It literally becomes who the person is. So therefore, we're very careful with the nature of the animals that we take in to our system because we want to retain the purity of what it is, what the human body is supposed to be. So Ra'a is this unbelievable character trait that this animal is capable of seeing something as dead from a tremendous distance away. There are people that we've all met in our lifetimes And in our families and in our relationships where they're capable of seeing things that are very, very far away and they're able to notice minute details to be able to find something that's negative about somebody. Even if to everybody else, this guy's a great guy, this guy says, "Uh, you know what, he does everything he does, he does for the kavod. They'll figure out a way. To take it away from him, they're looking at such great distances to see something negative. The second element is a person that lo- you'll find him at every party, you find him at every uh, sports event, you find him the minute everybody's talking about fantasy football. He's there. You need him for a minyan. God forbid somebody has a zohar, a bayt, They need him in something. ayah, where is he? The last one is Daya, is that person? who says in every moment that they experience an Ani coming around their door, I already gave so much, enough already. Someone asked about, I helped you with the last kid. Rabbi, I helped you with the other one, I helped you. And you know, this guy comes, he came collecting. I remember we had someone in London, Hazit. The guy walks in and he says, he's collecting unfortunately money for his children. The guy says, I gave you money already last year for your other child. I'm sitting there looking, Minen in the guy has, a child that was sick, they sent to the hospital. There's another child that was sick, yeah, it's probably genetic, but now you're gonna deprive the second kid of getting what the help he needs because you helped the other kid last year? It was, What does it have to do with anything. But there's a propensity that people have to say, that yeah, uh, enough, I did enough. Human beings were designed to never want to wait, to never feel that we are satisfied. The challenge of humanity is to figure out when to flip that switch. The pasuk says, If you love money, you never get enough of money. What do you mean, how come you don't say daya? Have enough, I don't need to go to work, I'm out. You know, I can make more investment. Yeah, but you know what? There's enough money already in my account. What am I gonna go get more money now? Nobody says that. Why not? Why not? Ohev kesef, lo yisba kesef. What if we loved Torah, and what if we loved mitzvot, and what if we loved zichuyot that way? What if we fought over mitzvot? Instead of saying, you know, having that situation, I remember once, you know, and this is such a challenging thing, and I like bringing up the example because it's one that everyone relates to, but really this is about much wider than this. There was a, 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 a fundraiser in the synagogue, in deal for an organization called Zaka. Now they did this fundraiser right before hatarat uh, Nedarim. So my father says, you know, these are people, they find the remains of Jewish people, you know, in the terror attacks. God forbid, we had five, six drownings in the last week. Sometimes you have a body that floats away. You know, they, don't, they only discover the body weeks later. By that time it's so bloated you can barely even tell who it is. So Zaka has the technology and the know-how that they identify the person, they release the wife to Aguna sometimes so she could get married again. They allow the kids the closure, the pictures, so it's heartstrings, the whole thing. It's beautiful. And my father said, you know, can we get some people 1800? It was like pulling teeth. Why? Hazit, it's got nothing to do with Zaka. It's just that that morning there was a drive, and that afternoon there was a drive, and then that night, what is there? There's another drive. Eventually, people say, dayah, enough. Now, we get the sentiment. But the question is, at the end of the day, is that your choice to make? And please take these words in the spirit in which they're given. When you're talking about giving your own money away, siddhaqah, that's something else. But when a person has an obligation to give away 10%, that money, that ma'asir, it should be in another account. That account, it doesn't belong to you. And the halakha is, if a person has money of tzedakah, and an ani comes along, and the ani is literally, he has the halakha of an ani, he's poor enough, he's worthy enough, you're not allowed to not give him that money. You know what it's like? Imagine someone comes to a bank, and they say, I'd like to make a withdrawal. And the bank teller says, I'm really sorry, you can't make a withdrawal. Why not? Because you pulled money out already. Guy says, "Do I have more money in my account?" They say, "Yeah." She says, well, "Why can't? Because you already made two withdrawals today. It's my money. It's my money." If we're talking about money of ma'asir, not when you're giving over and above, <clears throat> but when we're talking about money of ma'asir, If you have money in the ma'asir account, and Ani asks you, you have no right to say no. Now it doesn't mean you have to give them everything. You're allowed to decide each person what you want to give, but to not give them at all, you're only the person who's managing that fund for them. That's what the 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 the, uh, the pasuk is telling us. Etaraa ve'etaaya, ve'etadaya. and I think to myself as well, if we needed a reason why the animal is not kosher, all you needed was one. Why do we point out each of them? And the answer is because each part of these things. Sometimes people say, you know, rabbi, I'm always around, I always try and help, I'm always doing everything. But you know what, that person who always comes to shul and is always involved, he's also always the one that has a negative comment. The Torah is telling you, even if you're not guilty of ayah, if you're guilty of ra'ah, it's still taref. If you're not guilty of ra'ah, you're a very, very positive person. But you know what, you're never to be found when they need your help. still taref. If you were positive and you were there, but you still felt that you gave enough already, dayah, also taref, Each one of these symbols, in and of themselves, is enough to make a person not be considered what they could, what they could possibly be. May God bless us Amen. to be able to achieve these wonderful character traits, the flip side, to be and that not only to eat kosher, like we said, but to be kosher. And through that process, Hashem will create. Kiddush Shem Shemaim in our day-to-day lives. Leolam.